You're listening to the Nightlight Radio Network. This is Dr. Zohara Hieronymus, co-host of 21st Century Radio. We are happy to present this rebroadcast of our show on Nightlight. Enjoy. Joining us this hour is author Tammy Billups. Tammy joined us about a year ago, I think it was, and she is a transformational soul healer and pioneer on the Animal-Human Sacred Soul Partnership. She's the creator of Animal-Human Tandem Healings. She's a certified interface therapist and author, and she is a nationwide holistic healing practice for animals and humans. Tammy Billups' work identifying and healing the five core emotional wounds of animals is unique to her. She do- documented her findings on animals' emotional wounds in a book we've spoken of before entitled Soul Healing with Our Animal Companions. Tammy has also created learning modules on the topic for animal lovers, animal rescue volunteers, and animal practitioners, some of which we'll discuss this hour. In essence, Tammy Billups' work is about raising awareness for the higher purpose in the heart of every animal-human relationship and exploring its capacity to expedite mutual healing for their shared evolution. She's been featured on podcasts, radio shows, and television, Oprah, CNN's The Daily Share, Primetime Live, ABC. Tammy is the author of Soul Healing with Our Animal Companions, which we've discussed and we'll talk about a little bit again this evening, and the upcoming Animal Soul Contract, Sacred Agreements for Shared Evolution, which I was happy to write an introduction for, and I'm looking forward to seeing in print next April. Welcome back to 21st Century Radio, Tammy. Thank you so much, Dr. Zoe, for having me. Oh, always, always a pleasure. So I think what we need to do is stick back a bit and assume we always have new listeners, and certainly people can't always remember what they heard a year ago. So let's talk first about your own history and how you got started in your efforts of animal healing and human healing. Mm. Yes, well, that began almost 20 years ago. And like many people that have these awakenings to realize what their gifts are, I went through four Yes, my mother's passing, in addition to all three of my animals that passed within months of each other, as I became more aware of something bigger and of a higher perspective. And I sought out help because it wasn't a great year. And I ended up finding someone that did this bioenergy type of healing. And it was this miraculous thing in that I sat up from her table afterwards and I looked at her and out of my mouth said, I want to do what you do. Uh Uh-huh. Wonderful. And yes. And so from that point forward, I started a certification course and then for people. And then I started working on animals and found that they hold uh, mirroring um, identical, you know, emotional wounds within their people as what's what's in their animals and their energy field. So that was just fascinating to me. And then things took off from there. When you say that the animal and the human share emotional patterns and then therefore energetic patterns, how do you go about discerning, is it a human-held issue that the animal is reflecting or an animal-held issue that the human is reflecting or obviously a third option, which is a little bit of both? Well, yeah, I think there's always some ambiguity in my work when I connect to both the animal and the person because, yes, of course, you know, there's going to be some things that the animal's going to be caring for the person. That probably happens more, but the people can hold things for them as well. 
as they're on their evolutionary journey. So it's it's going to be a bit of it's going to be a bit of each. Give, give us an example. Be... I'm sure there are people going, "Well, I'm not really quite sure what you two are talking about." So exp- <laughs> explain what it looks like from your perspective as a therapist and how it reflects in the human and in their animal companions. Okay. Yes, I'll give an example of the the most frequent uh, mirroring wound that I see, and that's abandonment. Because obviously, a lot of animals have been abandoned, correct? Right. And and are overcoming being abandoned. And so, if I get a call from a person, I'll give the example a, a gentleman who's in the next book, Rick. He called about his dog Sammy and said, "I can't even leave the house because he has separation anxiety," and. He is just following me. He was out on a. He, he lives out in the farm on the farm, and Sammy would run after the truck, and it would get dangerous. So he would just take Sammy to work with him, and he was just a Klingon, and he wanted me to fix Sammy. And by the time the first session was completed, Rick realized that every relationship he's ever had with two leggeds were codependent, where he jumped all in, and there was almost like a separation anxiety between the two of them. And he realized that, oh, my gosh, yes, I called in this relationship because that's how I go, fast and furious. And so how can I blame this on Sammy? So we started working about in, in both of their energy fields to heal the abandonment wound. Because, yes, the dog had been abandoned. We knew that. He was abandoned on the property. But Rick was abandoned by both of his parents. And he was on the street at you know 14 years old trying to fend for himself. Of course, they were going to attract each other because likes attract like. So the more we worked together, and Rick really worked on very consciously and intentionally worked on his abandonment issues, it was maybe two or three sessions, and Sammy was not following him around anymore. He was completely healed of that. No more separation anxiety. Well, I remember when we spoke, and in your next book, The Sacred Transition of the Animal Soul, um, it's it's a part of it in um, your sacred agreements for shared evolution. There's this phenomena that you've observed that you've just articulated that on the one hand seems, okay, that makes a little sense that we're attracted to animals that are like us or have similar issues that we have. But on the other hand, you suggest that these are relationships and contracts that we make before we incarnate between a human and an animal. That's correct. I believe that our higher selves, our souls, on one level, chooses to have these relationships and chooses each other's souls so that we can heal these emotional wounds together. So a person you just described, Rick, who had abandonment issues or he had um, codependency and then he attracted an animal that wouldn't let him out of his sight, a lot of times we may not recognize an emotional pattern to a physical ailment. You know, a person may have a physical malady, let's say some sort of nervous disorder um, that is mechanical that maybe happened as a result of a car accident. And then they have a dog that has some sort of nervous disorder, but they weren't in a car accident. I mean, so, I mean, for the skeptic, they're say I can imagine people wondering, well, what happens when a person's injury happens as the course of life unfolds and isn't something that was presumably, you know, written in stone before they incarnated? I believe that it's it's all in divine order and timing. And so the animals, if you're someone that 
let the animals get really close to you. It's one thing if it's maybe a farm animal where you're not emotionally connected to it, but when you have these animals in your house, they are going to be representing something for you and mirroring something back for you and possibly taking on physical or emotional things for you as well so that you can see the part of yourself that needs healing. And do you feel that the animals do that willingly, knowingly as service to humans that they go, you know, you have um, breast cancer and so I have a tumor on my side? I mean, we've se- I've seen this a lot myself that animals take on the physical ailment of the human almost to lessen the ailment in the human. Yeah. Yes, I yes, I've seen that happen time and time again and do I believe at a soul level that they signed up for that? Yes, I do. So when you work with animals and their partner, so, you know, somebody comes to you and says, I'm having constant headaches and they have a little chihuahua, that just comes to mind because they talk so much. What would, <laughs> what would your session look like? I mean, you described Rick sort of briefly about his working on his own codependency, but, you know, how is it that you as the facilitator come into communion with the soul of both the animal and the human. Describe for us your journey, your process. Yes, I call them tandem healings. If someone is open to that, obviously I work on animals individually in addition to people individually. But some of them are open to to the concept of healing together. And so what I tried, I did a lot of case studies, hundreds of them, to see if this would work because I thought if there's a faster way for them to heal together, wouldn't that be beneficial? And so I actually connect with them heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul, and I visualize maybe an energy that looks like a triangle between our hearts connecting us. And, and then I just observe their energy fields. And sometimes I can see them very separate, and sometimes I see them very enmeshed, where they are releasing similar wounds. And there's, I, the way I see energy, I see these defense patterns. So I can tell the difference between the one that's betrayal or abandonment or invasiveness. And there's almost always just one that's really up during the session for mutual healing. And then, you know, and then I can see when, when one releases or heals anything around the wound, the other one is going to benefit from it. It doesn't matter which. I get really unattached to the outcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like the energy is much more on the person. Sometimes I feel like it's more on the animal. But they both walk away feeling better each time. Right. And and naturally, you know, all things are related. And the degree to which we can become aware and facilitate, you know, the gratitude of that connectedness and also sometimes the gratitude of the separateness, <laughs> which sometimes yeah. we actually need. So when you become aware of these energy fields, do they look like, are they different colors or different shapes or different wavelengths? Or, I mean, what do they seem like to you? Yeah, each, each, like with the abandonment, you know, it's also known to be an oral fixation. A lot of times their energy fields are very weak. They're not retaining their energy. They have leaks at their joints. Um, every single one is different. There's so many different possibilities. Mm-hmm. But I can see how the energy is laid out, and that tells me which wound it is. Um, where, like, if it's betrayal, they're going to have tons of energy, and there's going to be a pattern of energy more so at their shoulders and their head because they're always on the defense ready to attack, you know, because they believe that they have to, you know, the world is not safe if they've been betrayed a lot. Do you find that humans represent that pattern as well in head and shoulders? Yes, 
Absolutely. So the energy patterns you see in the animals, you also see a very similar holding in the human anatomy. I do. Absolutely. Well, that's interesting. It's fascinating, actually. And I didn't realize that it would unfold that way until I started working with animals and I started seeing similar patterning. Now, sometimes the animal was just the person would call me and they would say, well, they're just not acting themselves. And then I would be, I would see a lot of energy at their hip releasing. And the person didn't say anything about them having sore hips. But then afterwards, the person will say, I just had hip surgery. Uh huh. So you. And then they're fine. Then it's, it's dramatic. I mean, what you're saying is not just a casual energetic entanglement. You're talking of a very dramatic energetic relationship between animals and their human caretaker. And so this could be true whether it's a ferret or a parrot or a dog or a cat or a rat or any kind of animal. Any two souls. Yes. And so what happens when a person has multiple animals? Well, that's a good, I get that question a lot. And, it's, and, and there's lots of people in the house, too, because people are saying, well, I think he's more like my husband, you know, right. than what he is me. And there are different contracts with every person in the house. So it's just like the way that different people will see different traits in an animal. One person will say he's sweet as anything, and the other person will say, oh, he's so stubborn. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. They're going to see what they see, what, you know, they're going to see the reflection of themselves or a part of themselves. And the animals are going to be reflecting back to the person. If there's multiple animals in the house, they're going to be representing different parts of themselves. And then also parts of the person. And then what about the animals between themselves? I mean, if they're mirroring the human, then obviously the animals like humans in a family reveal each other's energetic patterns. So the animals all together, whether it's a rabbit and a tortoise and a dog and a whatever, then they also have something going on that is like intra-animal, don't they? They have to be. I think that's my next book, Dr. Zoe. Oh, interesting. (laughs) I mean, I've been getting that question of people saying, asking me to do tandems between two of their animals. And me, I like to be in a certain position to be able to do the case studies and really have all my questions so that I can observe their energetic patterns. But that is yet to be determined. I mean, I think it has to be the case. I mean, at one point we had eight dogs. Well, when my daughter visited, she brought her two. So in general, we had six. And the littlest, a little Yorkshire terrier named Bailey, was definitively the alpha. Not in the sense of trying to boss the other dogs around, but always the first to do, always the first to charge. I once watched him literally body bomb an Irish setter with his whole body. This Irish setter was coming onto the property, and this little Bailey, not more than like, you know, less than 12 inches long, probably eight, he literally ran at full force and threw his body at this Irish setter. But that was what his energy was like, always. And then we have these big mountain Pyrenees, and he'll be laid back and hanging, and Bailey would like alert the whole troop. Everybody, he would hear before anybody heard. He was like the first to bark at something a half mile away. He'd be in the car and he'd know when we were about to turn to a certain place. So when a little dog, so the reason I'm saying all this is is to make the point that the size of an animal does not determine their role in the community. 
<laughs> no, it does not. And I'm smiling the whole time you were talking about that story because I'm seeing symbolism in, in his actions. You know, it's like, what was he representing for you? What was he teaching you in those moments? How crazy I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to do, this little tiny person running out and body bombing the whistleblowing subjects in the CIA or FBI or whatever. Bailey and I were so much alike. He He's on the other side, but I, he shows up a lot in my dreams, and um, he's near. And we'll talk about that, how people can know that their deceased animals are not gone. They're just in a different state of being. If you're just joining us, Tammy Billups is our guest. She has two books. One is already published in 2018 by Bear and Company entitled Soul Healing with Our Animal Companions, The Hidden Keys to a Deeper Animal-Human Connection. And one coming up, Animal Soul Contracts, Sacred Agreements for Shared Evolution. And that will come out in 2020 of April. You can learn more at www.sundancehealing.com. That's sundancehealing.com. Hi, I'm Rob Getro, author and medium of Pets in the Afterlife, Lessons Learned from Talking to the Dead, and Ghosts and Spirits Insights from a Medium. You can find me on ghostsandspiritsinsights.blogspot.com or on Facebook and Twitter, I'm under Rob Gutrow, author and medium. You're listening to 21st Century Radio with Dr. Zoe Hieronymus. Online with us is Tammy Billups. Her past book is entitled Animal Soul, whoops, wrong one, Soul Healing with Our Animal Companions, The Hidden Keys to a Deeper Animal-Human Connection, a Bear and Company 2018 release. And this April, she will have a new release by Inner Traditions entitled Animal Soul Contracts, Sacred Agreements for Shared Evolution. And you can learn more at her website, www sundancehealing.com and remember all these links are at 21st21stcenturyradio.com and zoharaonline.com and you can also subscribe to our iTunes and YouTube channels at 21st Century Radio. So I want to come back to something you will be talking about in much greater depth in your upcoming book, Animal Soul Contracts, Sacred Agreements for Shared Evolution. Um, and it's it's this one chapter, and I had the privilege of reading the book before it's come to print, so thank you for that, The Sacred Transition of the Animal Soul. I mean, of all the questions I get the most often, other than, you know, issues that are health-related, because I also still receive calls from people for readings, and what I do is very different from what you do, um, but when animals die, humans experience such tremendous grief, and it can go on for years, to the point that oftentimes some people won't get another animal, because they say they can't bear to go through it again, um, or they don't want to have um, the experience of taking care of an animal for its whole life and then it dying. So let's talk about what happens to animals when they pass on and why you and I and others try to assure other people, we assure you, they are still here. Oh, my gosh, yes. They're, they're still around you, especially in the beginning after they transition. I Very early in my practice when I began working with animals, of course, you get a lot more calls when they're nearing the end because people are really looking for additional help, right? And, right. Um, and so if frequently I would be connected to them, and the animal would actually transition during the session because it opened up that crown chakra, opened up the channels for them to release more easily. And so I got to bear witness to them transitioning out of their bodies. And that was extraordinary because there was so much love so much divine love around them and the person. 
And it was this celebration of getting to the other side. It's not necessarily my specialty in talking to animals once they're over, but helping them over I have done many times. I've been able to jot down the notes like I did in the chapter for what I see happen when they return to spirit because then people started calling me and having me be connected while they even had a, a you know the veterinarian come out for an assisted transition because they wanted the energy to be as clear as possible for their beloved animals and it was what I found was so interesting is that they every single time a person when I would say I saw this man that looked like this that was greeting them or another animal or whatever the person would always say in every single instance I called on that person or I called on that animal to greet them Mm -hmm. and so I try to tell people whoever you call on hears you you know they will absolutely be greeted by that person but I also see these I don't know if you see this in your practice, but I see these honoring circles. And maybe it's because I'm dealing with a lot of people who are doing spiritual work with their animals, or maybe they're working in the middle of their own um, practices, you know, the animals helping to heal the people that are coming to the person. But I see these honoring circles. Sometimes it has to do with the person's practice. If they uh, help women, sometimes there are some of the women that they've helped along the way that show up. And sometimes there's fairy realms, there's where everyone, where the spirit guides are all bowing down in the circle and greeting this beautiful animal and honoring its life of service, which is just, it's it's so, just talking about it opens my heart. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because there's so much more now in the popular literature about our animals and loving our animals and communicating with them. Whereas it used to be, you know, within indigenous traditions, this has always been customary. But in normative culture, a lot of this was sort of kept in the quiet among the household. You know, don't don't tell the neighbors that we talk to our deceased dog, that kind of thing. But it's funny because I was reading this article recently in one of the science magazines, and all they talked about was the specialness of dogs is their ability to love. I mean, it's it's what's nice about what's happening culturally is, I mean, I think it's New Zealand now who has called all animals sentient beings, which they are. Mm-hmm. And it's a really right and moral beginning of what should have taken place on this planet forever and always, and which we've moved so far away from. And we torture so many billions of animals in such unnecessary ways. Um, how do How do the animals feel about that, about what's going on to the animal community in general? Well, I don't know that I can speak on behalf of all animals, but certainly a lot of them come in with a lot of healing based on needed, based on their past soul's experiences. Have you seen that with your practice as well? You know, I don't focus so much on the animal's past, though I do know my white Pyrenees was a white horse in his last life and was killed in a war. And sometimes you can see just as with a human, that a wound that an animal received in its last life, it has a malady in the present life in the same way humans do. And that's been proven. Ian Stevenson's done beautiful work in showing that with children's of reincarnation and that, you know, a a war wound from a gunshot to the left cheek may show up in the next life as a mole on the cheek in that same place. And when the child contacts that memory, it changes the disposition of the pathology. I mean, there's some fascinating work in relative to past lives and 
humans. Um, so when you work with these, maybe you could share with our listeners, as you do people who read your column or who come to some of your online presentations or your presentations in the public, um, um, an exercise that they can do to tap into their beloved animal once they've passed. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is this is something I guide you to do, even if even if you're trying to understand them and they're still in their body, and you think I don't know what to do, and you're reaching one of those big decisions. If you sit comfortably and just get relaxed by taking several deep breaths directly into your heart, and then you call upon your animal soul and you ask them to join you, and you do this telepathically or out, you know, you can speak it out loud as well. It doesn't matter. But imagine them sitting in front of you or next to you or perhaps on your lap and continue to breathe directly into your heart. Maybe place a hand on your heart to help you relax into it. And then you imagine a beautiful metallic golden cord of light from your heart to your animal's heart. And then you relax into that sacred heart-to-heart connection where you feel it, where you feel the love flowing through the connection. And in that sacred and loving space, you would be granting them a huge wish if you allow them to send you love and gratitude for everything that you have done and that you did for them. And then you breathe and receive and strengthen that connection. And then when you're in that high vibration of love, you can share any thoughts. Or you can ask a question. You know, you can ask them how they're doing. You can ask any anything that you still have questions about. And then just go to that heart connection. Stay out of your head. Stay in the heart. And let them help you heal maybe any part of you that is still hurting, that still misses their physical. And then give yourself permission to release and heal. If this is a way to honor their spirit, they're in a life of service just like we are. And then you just sit with that until you're ready to disconnect and then express your gratitude. I like that you close with expressing your gratitude. You know, love and gratitude have such beautiful companionship work. And oftentimes, I don't know that our culture places enough focus on gratitude. So when you do other guided meditation tools to help the emotional healing of the animal and the human, um, What's another easy one? Because there are certain things that trouble people, like when you mentioned the one when people leave the house and an animal gets all upset. And some people have, you know, on YouTube, they've shown little films of what their animal does when they're not there. And you see the animal standing at the window for two hours. And then you see the animal, you know, going to all the places the human would be during the day. How is how is that part of... Um, I don't know what the right word is, but the assignment, if it is, that they've come to. Because a lot of animals, I think, are pretty lonely. Domestic animals, they spend a lot of time alone in apartments or crates or whatever. But they're not, they don't have a lot of companionship except for the evenings and weekends. Well, a lot of times, you know, I I, I had a client that went through this when it was the first time she ever lived by herself and her dog ended up getting separation anxiety almost immediately after Jody had lost everyone else in her life. Mm-hmm. And it was just her and Jet for the first time. And she had a camera on him nonstop, and he was just whining and screaming, and all this stuff was new. And guess what? You know, it was really Jody's projection of she was really lonely. You know, she herself was really lonely. Mm-hmm. And I always, I guided her almost immediately to, 
stop watching him on the camera because it was just height. It was just lowering her vibration, and she was starting to worry about him. And she would get into fear and worry that he was lonely. She was thinking about getting another animal and everything. But as soon as she just started sending him love during the day and telling him that he was fine and that telling him he didn't need anyone else and that they were going to heal this together, he immediately responded to that. She still went home on her lunch hour and walked with him, but he started going to naps during the afternoon instead of pacing and barking at everything Mm -hmm. because he knew that he was safe. So the the distance... I think the important thing here that maybe we can spend a little time on is that the distant projection of your love and your care is received by the animal in the same way distant healing is received by humans. And Rupert Sheldrake's book, How Dogs Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home, um, did this beautiful study of all different kinds of animals showing that when a human decided that they were going to return home, whether they had been on a long trip, a short trip, or been at the office and going home, the animal started preparing themselves at exactly the same moment that the human had the thought. Absolutely. They get our visuals. We're too connected energetically for them not to know what we're thinking and feeling. And so if we're being anxious just from watching them, they're going to get more anxious. (laughs) That's the way that it works. Right. So it's no different than with an aware human. And I mean, I think the important thing here is, is that consciousness is, and animals are conscious, and they are sentient, and just like humans are sentient and conscious. We'll be right back. Our guest is Tammy Billups. You can find her online at www.sundancehealing.com. Her 2018 release, Soul Healing with Our Animal Companions, The Hidden Keys to a Deeper Animal-Human Connection, a Bear and Company release, and her upcoming book for this April in 2020, Animal Soul Contracts, Sacred Agreements for Shared Evolution. You're listening to 21st Century Radio with Dr. Zohara Hieronymus. I'm Carol Buckley, the founder and president and CEO of Elephant Aid International, where we focus on the retirement, rehabilitation, and welfare of captive-held elephants. You can learn more about our work at www.elephantaidinternational.org. Amazing work by an amazing woman who has done so much for understanding worldwide of the elephant community and their needs and why they all deserve freedom. But she also works with those with mayhots and they teaches them how to take care of the feet of the elephant and how to um, pay more attention to the need of the species in a way that's natural for them. If you're just joining us, Tammy Billups is our guest. She is the author of Soul Healing with Our Animal Companions, a 2018 Bear and Company release, and an upcoming book in 2020 entitled Animal Soul Contracts, Sacred Agreements for Shared Evolution. Tammy, is there a way for people to pre-order that? It's available now for pre-order on Inner Traditions, on Barnes and Noble, and on Amazon and um, Indie IndieBound. It's a wonderful book again called Animal Soul Contracts. And for, until that comes out, people can also um, read. You have a column called Heal with Your Pet. Talk to us a bit about this. It's a monthly column. Yes, that's actually through my friends who have um, Barb Horn and Randy Critcher who who have a. a, a an email, marketing email, where they ask me to write their column for them that gives little tips about how to help animals heal with their person. And you will see my columns there. You'll see a couple pages on their website with my past columns on there. And there they'll find by Tammy Billups a column on, does it have a name? Heal with your pet. Heal with your pet. Wonderful. 
And you also have um, a service since 2015 entitled Praying Paul's Animal Service. What is that with the Unity North Spiritual Community? Yes, the the, the largest Unity, if you're familiar with them, Unity uh, churches that are nationwide, or I think they're globally, the largest one here in the Atlanta area has an animal ministry that I founded back in 2004. And I ran that ministry for about four years, and now I'm just doing their monthly Praying Paws animal service. People bring their animals, their well-behaved, leased and created animals to this service, and we have it now quarterly. And it's just like a regular service where you're learning, but except for you're learning something that's going to help you with your animal in some way. And we do, it's, it's just so fabulous. If you ever get in the Atlanta area, or for those of you that live in the area, drop by. The next one is on 2-2, on Groundhog Day. So if you have a groundhog, it would be a good day to bring them. <laughs> when you do the work with animals, a, a thought just occurred to me that has interested me when I talk to various animal communicators. Do you think that animals and humans experience time differently? That's a great question. And I would have... I would think so. I mean, certainly while we're all on this earth, we're thinking or trying to adapt to how time runs here. Certainly when I tap into the other side, it's much faster there than what it is here. It's kind of in slow-mo mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know. So I, 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 I don't know if I know the answer to that. What have you found? I find that animals live so much in the now I mean, yes, they can have anxieties and yes, they can have concerns and there can be trauma from the past, but I don't find that they dwell in it. It's all present. They seem Mm. very focused in the present, which is why if something hasn't worked the first time, they're not focused on that. They're focused on the present time. So let's say you went to take them for a walk and they chased the squirrel and broke off their leash. They're not thinking about breaking off the leash and chasing the squirrel, they're thinking about, oh, we're going for a walk. That's been my experience, is they're not as attached to um, history as humans are. And when you do work with, I do soul readings with humans and animals, and I find with animals it's so clean and so precise, and there's not a lot of psychological gobbledygook. Whereas with humans, the story weaves and wraps and my father and my mother and my grandfather and my great aunt and this, and then the story goes on and on and on and this and then and that. And the, and the animals are like, this is it. I need my orange blanket. You know, whatever it is, it's very clear and very simple and very honest. Well, I would say then that I have found a little bit different than that. And the, most of the time, yes. But the more enmeshed they are with people or have had traumatic experiences with people, then there's this emotional stuff that's up for, for healing. And just like with people, I mean, I, I do so much work with the no-kill shelters in the area where mm-hmm. I'm connecting to these animals. And yes, every man that walks in front of them, they're scared of, Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Where, where they're projecting their past unhealed traumas on that. So I do see animals come in with, you know, depending on their experience in this life or past where they want to heal with you know, that particular wound. But yes, I would agree with you for the most part that they're, especially if they're, they're, their wounds or our wounds that they're bearing for us have, have reached a beautiful level of healing, then yeah, they're going to be teachers of how to be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly that's one of the things that animals help me do because they are so in joy about mm-hmm. the present, whereas we can be so unhappy in the present. Yes, and some of them are more, I, th- I think the ones that um, are happier in the present moment are more living out of their right brain, mm-hmm. where there are certain animals that are that have the mix. Yeah, where for they sure. have that combo of the left and the right, where you are seeing them almost planning their next <laughs> their next move. Uh huh. And especially if they're in service or if they do agility, you can see where they are using both sides of their brain more. Oh, for sure. And and when I think about the animals that I work with, I work with mostly domestic animals or wild animals, and I don't do a lot of work with the shelter community. But that certainly would change the experience of the community of animals you're working with. I, I just, I find even our guest, Lisa Radov, who is going to join us the next hour, works and runs Vote Animals here in Maryland, and she works in animal rights. And I don't even know how people can do the work because it's it so upsets me that I can't even look at the pictures anymore. I can barely even speak to the issues. So I tend to um, make it easy on myself, I guess, working with wild animals and domestically loved animals. I find the others just so distressing. So I bless you and thank you for your ability to do that work. What haven't we touched on that you want to... Well, I did have another question about the change over time in the community because I started doing this when I was a young girl in my teens when people would call me for their missing animals. I just had this knack for finding missing animals, seeing where they were and telling them where to look. Um, How has your work changed in these 20-some years you've been doing it? And how has the community in general changed about this kind of work? I think as I have grown into it and I have morphed what I do and embrace more of what I do, um, I find that I'm calling in clients that are like that. When I first began these case studies with the Tandem Healings years ago, I was amazed at how many people I had that wanted to be involved and that were ready to go to those deeper places, where in the beginning, it seemed as if the people were just fix my animal mm-hmm. and it was just seed planting to hope that, you know, with getting unattached to the outcome, of course, that planting seeds that they might be carrying something for their person or mirroring something for their person. And now it seems like it's evolved to people who are very open to looking at things from a higher perspective, which really is so exciting to me. For people who are in the listening audience and don't live, you live in Georgia? I do. I live in the Atlanta area. Okay. So for those of our listeners who don't live in the Atlanta area, you also have upcoming webinars and and online classes. So share that with our listeners. Yes, I have two different types of webinars. One about these five core emotional wounds of animals, how to recognize them, how to help them heal and recover from those wounds, and of course, so much of that is about how they're mirroring you. And then I also have a new webinar that's about these seven different types of soul contracts that we have with animals. And then, of course, my practice is global. I can do sessions. In fact, I do all of my animal sessions over the phone or through Zoom. And with two-legged and four-legged, yes. So so there's everything that I do can be done anywhere. That's wonderful. Yeah, my work also is at a distance. I seldom work in 
proximity to either a human or an animal. I find it gets too noisy. It's just so much static. I, I prefer that they're very far away and the further away, even the easier. So what what are the five emotional core wounds? It's terror, abandonment, betrayal, invasiveness, and the detachment from their core self. Those That's are the five wounds. And they're very predictable characteristics, physical ailments, behaviors that are going to be derived from having that particular unhealed wound. So if somebody goes to your website, sundancehealing.com, will they be able to find these five emotional core issues? They'll be able to see all my webinars, the events, and certainly I have many different blogs about these emotional core wounds. And there's an excerpt from the book because these five core emotional wounds are in detail in soul healing with our animal companion. Right. That's the 2018 release. And you said the seven different types of, what are these, soul contracts? Yes, the, the animal soul contracts. Please don't have me name them. I don't know. <laughs> no, we'll do that when the book comes out. We'll do it in detail. We'll walk through each one of them. <laughs> Great. I look forward to that. Yeah. And so when you do this work, what what is the part that excites you the most and what's the part that you find the most challenging? The part that excites me the most is by far um, the potential for inner healing and seeing the ahas that happen and seeing people and animals feel better as they learn. And probably the most challenging thing is, um, of course, just the, the pain of the person when the animal's transitioning. That's, that's a, difficult, a difficult moment for a lot of people. So that's probably the hardest. And lately, I don't know about you, but lately there's been so many animals that are transitioning. And I've been getting so many calls of very fast, very quick transitions. Yeah, well, when one of my dogs passed on Oxford, who was this wonderful shih tzu that I just adored, he and Bailey were my literally companion friends for 15 years, and they went everywhere with me. They went canoeing. They went sailing. They they, they did everything. And um, when Oxford passed over, he showed me a university where he went to help heal animals who weren't touched and that had such pain and that there's sort of like a nursing center for animals who there were even humans who had crossed over who were there as well, just touching animals so that they could experience not to be traumatized by touch. And people think this is funny, but Bailey also passed a year prior. So the two of them are together and they keep talking about coming back and when do they get to come back. And one day I see them with a rabbit named Henry. And I said to Oxford, who is Henry? And he goes, well, talk to Henry. So I talked to Henry. Henry was a rabbit who got hit in the road. And when he crossed over, he ended up befriending Oxford and Bailey. Now, I know there are people listening and going, all right, so that's a really interesting fantasy. But I have a stuffed sheep with Oxford's coat on and a smaller one with Bailey's coat on. And then there's a rabbit, Henry, and the three of them sit on my bed. And um, I don't know. To me, it seems all very real and real. It doesn't seem like a fantasy at all. It seems like this is essentially what's going on. Absolutely. I believe. And I love the university. Oh, my gosh. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, I was surprised. I was really surprised that they have different roles and they do different things and Um, Anyway, there's so much we could talk about that we don't have the time for, but we have a few minutes left. And what would you like to share with us in those few minutes, Tammy? Well, I'd love to share with people to 
look at their animals in a different way after this show or tonight. Look at them and look for the beauty in them and the wonderful qualities that you see in your animal. And then drop to your heart and then realize and know that those qualities are within you and they are showing you the best parts of yourself. And when you do that, you honor your animal and their soul's evolution in ways you can you can't even imagine. That's what they want you to learn from them. Oh, that's beautifully put. And when I think about I one day I was doing just sort of in my mind, thinking about all the cats, dogs, ferrets, birds that have been in my company over my lifetime and there are I, I don't even know the number. But if I visualize them all, it's a lot. It's It probably reaches into the triple dozens, more than that probably. But um, I thank you so much, Tammy, for the work you do for everybody in the world. And let me encourage our audience to go to your website, com. Tammy's first book, a 2018 release, Soul Healing with Our Animal Companions, The Hidden Keys to a Deeper Animal-Human Connection, and her upcoming book, Animal Soul Contracts, Sacred Agreements for Shared Evolution. Did I get that right? Yes, Inner Traditions 2020. Also, her monthly column at www.enlightenup.org entitled Heal with Your Pet. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. 21st Century Radio is produced by Hieronymus and Company. Our executive producer and research assistant is Laura Kortner. And I'm Dr. Zohara Hieronymus. And remember, we do need more love in the world.